0: Philippians chapter two, uh, verse five. Um, so I came into the church, that's my family there, which I'm really excited about, except that's, uh, that's not what I wanted to have up there. Um, yeah, there we go, yeah. I, I, I like my family, I was a little just like, what, what are they doing up there? I like them. <laughs> that's not my family. That's just a picture off the internet. Um, you know, if you were recruiting somebody to move to Bartlesville, this weekend would be the ideal weekend for it, right? It's like always this nice in Bartlesville, weather-wise, right? Not, not so much. Um, okay, so we're, um, we're going to look this morning at uh, Paul's famous passage in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You know, all the, the, the entire Word of God is, is inspired, it is inerrant, it is authoritative, it's all good. But this passage is one of those amazing passages uh, in, in all the Bible, and, and truly in all of world literature. There are very few passages like the one that we're going to look at today in all of world literature. And uh, I almost feel like we're on holy ground as we, are, as we were developing it. And yet Paul's point in this passage has to do with relationships. And so that's what we want to look at this morning. Now, if you Google... The Secret to Good Relationships, which I did this week, you will see 7.5 million hits. And most of those hits have have titles like this, The Three Secrets to Finding Love, The Four Keys to Developing a Good First Year of Your Marriage, The Eight Ways That You Can Truly Love Your Child. Here's The Ten Secrets of Happy Couples. Wow, you know? Or how about this one? This one is a little bit too complex for me. One hundred secrets. Like, I'd be good if I could remember three or four, but a hundred, I'm not sure I I can manage a hundred secrets of great relationships. Some of the articles are just plain common sense. Uh, Some of the articles are things like um, honor each other, spend time together, don't yell at each other things like that. Uh, Some of them are a little weird. Things like, if you're mad, don't throw things. Okay, that's good. That's good. Don't throw things. Here's one that that I liked. If you're mad, don't immediately go post something on your social media page. (laughs) That, that That could be a real problem if you started doing that. These millions of articles reveal One important thing about relationships, and that is we all want them, and they're all very challenging. We all want connection, but we sometimes end up in conflict. We all want closeness in our relationships, but we sometimes end up estranged. And that's where it really helps knowing the person of God. God reveals himself to to be the ultimate lover of relationships. Think about it this way. God shows his love for relationships in the Trinity. You know, for all eternity, God was and is and always will be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, God reveals his love for relationships in Genesis chapter 2 when he created the institution of marriage. Marriage was designed to be a triunity of husband, wife, and the spirit of love. God showed his love for relationships in the body of Christ. And that passage I read this morning, you know, Jesus is the one who made peace. He broke down the barrier of the dividing wall so that diverse people of many languages and cultures and race can find their unity in Christ. God loves relationships. And in the passage that we look at this morning, what we, what we discover is how you get to having a good relationship. And it's all about Jesus. Let's pray. I'm kidding. Because you probably want to know what about Jesus gives you a good relationship. And, and really, the, the, the key to it is that you understand his humility. So, when you think about this passage, the, the one secret to great relationships is bringing the humility of Jesus into your friendship, into your marriage, into your companionship, whatever kind of relationship that you sustain with friends or family or whatever, you bring the humility of Jesus into that friendship. And we see that in chapter, uh, two, 2, chapter 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What Paul's going to tell us is we can bring an empowered humility into our relationships, um, even ones that, are, that may be estranged right now. So let's, let's, let's dig into it. First opening question we want to ask. Um, I, my fingers are going too fast here. Is, is it even possible to be like Jesus in my relationships? And I've heard people argue, ah, that's Jesus, I can't be like that. You read the Gospels and you think, you know, he's, he's the son of God and he's perfect and he does miracles and he walks on water. I can't be like him. His his standard is way too high. Why are you asking me to be like Jesus in my relationships? I am not Jesus. I can't do this. And yet, here's what Paul would say based upon the entire message of the Philippians: You are not a spiritual orphan. You are not somebody who is powerless in your relationships. You're a citizen of heaven. You have access to real power. God has set up your abiding relationship with Jesus in such a way that you can abide with him and bear not just fruit, but much fruit. You are not a spiritual orphan. And if you say to yourself, I can't do what Jesus did. At one level, I understand that. But another level, God has set up your life so that you can do what Jesus would do if he were living in your situation right now. You may be working in the business world. You may be working in medicine. You may be working in carpentry. Whatever you're doing, God has set up your life so that you can bring his character into your situation, into the real situation that you find yourself in every day. Now, it does take an abiding relationship with Jesus, but you can bring Jesus' character into your relationships. You can have the attitude in you which was in Christ Jesus. Okay, so that raises the question, what attitude was in Christ Jesus? Now, Paul is going to go very, very deep here. So we're going to go a bit deep, and we're going to ask, uh, look at the second uh, section here, and that is a focus on looking down into the humiliation of Jesus. What did Jesus do as he became humble? Well, let me read this from the New American Standard. although Jesus existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now let's just pause and think about this for a second. Before creation, Jesus existed in the form of God. He existed in the most perfect love relationship you can possibly imagine. God the Father, loving God the Son, God the Son, loving God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, loving Father and Son, and an aura, an atmosphere of genuine, passionate love permeated that relationship. Now, it is the nature of love to have experiences. Love is not just a static thing. Love is encountered in the context of experiences. For all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had experiences, and their love was marked by those experiences. We know that because of the way Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. So Cindy and I have been married 38 years. We've, we, we started dating three years before that, so we've, we've had over 40 years of experiences. And there are times where I will say to my wife, sweetheart, do you remember when? Now, that remembering when is designed to bring a smile, and uh, yeah, I do. Uh, lately, I, I've said, do, do you remember our fourth anniversary where we couldn't find a babysitter? And we went to the church movie night, and they were playing Gus the Athletic Mule, <laughs> starring Johnny Unitas. Uh, and... The guy from Hogan's Heroes, like randomly. Um, and you know, we 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 think about like our fourth anniversary, you know, watching Gus the Athletic Mule. And yet we remember that with fondness because of things that were happening in our relationship at the time. We, we've marked out memories. You know, uh, I, I I love writing cards for my kids at Valentine's Day and birthdays and Christmases and, and all those things. And a lot of times, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm marking out a memory. This this year for Valentine's Day, I'm giving my male grandsons a gift certificate for a restaurant in Seattle, so they can take my female, well, my grand, male, what I you mean, male grandsons, my, so they can t- t- take their sisters out uh, on on a date. Obviously, their parents are going to have to take them out on the date. But you know, love is about experiences. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have had an eternity of experiences that mark out the depth, the quality, and the intimacy of their love. But there's more. Jesus also acted powerfully in creation on behalf of God the Father. John 1:3 All things were created through him, that is, through Jesus. And apart from Jesus, not one thing was created that has been created. So think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the the act of creation. God the Father, oh, I'm having a hard time with my hands here. God the Father is the architect, the planner of creation, and God the Son is the contractor. He's the one that actually did the creation. He's the one that actually spoke creation into being. And so here we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Ex- having experiences that confirm love and doing cool things, significant things. I mean, I kind of enjoy skiing, you know. God created the mountains and the snow and the fact of precipitation.